Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Good evening, everybody. How y'all doing? Hope you're getting through the day, getting through the week. Trying to help you start it off right. We're going to open the show talking about positive affirmations. Excuse me. They don't necessarily work for everybody. So we're going to talk about who they work for, how to make them work for you. For those that it doesn't work for, it's, some of it's also about really just being open and settling into this. One of the things I've learned through my work as a um, sexual psychologist, relational and sex therapist, has been that some of these, what do you call them? Uh, not stereotypes, but kitschy, nichey, sticky pop psychology tools. Some of them are bunk and just rooted in bad science. Some of them though, I think are really valuable. It's just, they're not familiar for us or to us. And we don't think in terms of mental health. And it's always fascinating to me how much time and effort we'll put into our bodies, uh, you know, at the gym. Cause a lot of what we're doing at the gym is true bodybuilding. It's really body modification. We're not doing it for health anymore, or we're overextending ourselves and we're doing it to really change our body. It's a form of body modification. No different than a lot of other ways we do that. And then we're always modifying our bodies, dyeing our hair, changing our hairstyles, getting plastic surgery, bleaching our teeth, hair removal, things like glasses or contact lenses, painting our nails, getting tattoos, all sorts of different ways we modify our body. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's a really beautiful way to take ownership. Your body becomes a billboard for your politics, your values, your ethics, your establishing your authenticity. For some, it's mental health, where they're saying, I'm not gonna follow conformity. The, the world has told me I need to be smaller, quiet, and I'm gonna be loud and bold. I'm gonna occupy space with my queer body, my disabled body, my black body, my fat body, my female body. I'm gonna lead with my sexuality. There's so much in that, and we'll shame people. Oh, she's always flaunting her body, or she's working on learning to love her body and not being ashamed of it. And that's part of how she works through that. Or someone who's larger body or fat and is no willing to also shrink away or hide. So there's so much in that. So it's not to put all that down, but it's to say that we will sometimes put so much effort into modifying and focusing on our bodies. And I know that we're socialized to think that our worth is tied to our bodies. There was a time, and I'd love to get back to it, where our worth was tied to uh, what kind of character we have and if we're kind to others and we work on that versus our physical body, which is just a vehicle, but we've really turned it into our ego and our identity and our worth. And we put so much into it, but we don't work on our mental health. We'll put some people hours a day 
or at least hours a week. And I'll say journal. Oh, I can't, I have no time for that. Really? That's odd. Cause every day you're at the gym for two hours or three hours a week, but you can't put in 20 minutes to journal. So we don't work our minds. Like we work our bodies. We'll put so much into dressing our bodies in certain clothing, the amount of money we spend on clothing and makeup and hair and the gym and all these things and our sneakers. But yet you talk about putting a little time or even money into mental health or emotional health. Who has the time? Who has the, you know what I mean? Can't afford therapy which a lot of people can't, but a lot of people can or could, but instead they'd rather drink with that money or put in a gym membership or new sneakers. And it's like, okay, so yet again, we don't care about our mental health. We won't put in money into therapy. We won't put money into any decent psychologically minded books. We won't even journal. We won't do active imagination. We won't do anything. <laughs> you know, even with clients I see weekly for therapy, I tell them it can't just be this one 45 minute hours or whatever it is once a week and that's it. There's other things you have to go do between sessions because we have to unlearn. We're trying to reshape and reorient our brain and our thinking. We have, to, you know, the world has it wrong and we're constantly sitting in it. We can't think one session a week of therapy is gonna be enough to change all the bad messaging the world's giving us, just like the gym or whatever else we're talking about that's a form of modification. You can't just go at business as usual and think that's gonna be good enough. You have to put the time and effort in. We have to do our mental health. So that's part of this, is some of these things about positive affirmations, we're not familiar with self-talk. We don't know how to work with ourselves. We don't know how to sit with ourselves. And that's why a lot of people write it off. It's, it's going from zero to 60. They have no psychological work, no relationship to themselves. They've never focused on mental health. They don't know how to access that part of themselves. They don't know how to work with themselves. So then to try to just do affirmations, it's not gonna work. It's like when I'm doing therapy, I have to meet someone where they're at and prescribe treatments that meet them where they're at. Some people are further along, others aren't. Let's use, let's start with a gym example. Not everyone is gonna show up at the gym ready to lift a heavy amount of weights and hit cardio. Some people have to start smaller. We're just gonna stretch for the first couple sessions. Even when you start a running routine, you don't hit the, the pavement doing a 30-minute run your first day out. That's how you get injured and hurt yourself. You build up. You start by going and running for three to five minutes if you're not very physically fit. And you build your way up. We have to do that with mental health. Some people just jump in. I'm going to start doing positive, you know, positive affirmations and self-talk. And it doesn't stick or land because they haven't worked their way up to that. That's just not something they have access to. They're not able to work with themselves as comfortably in those ways as some other people are. Some people have been raised internalizing positive affirmations, and so they understand how to work with them. They're able to internalize them. They're able to embody them. For other people, it's a little more foreign. I bring up the word self-care, and a lot of people are like, I don't even know what that is or how to access that. Right, because we've been raised in a world where we focus on what you can produce. You're worth tied to productivity and just jobs and money. And so we don't know how to focus on pleasure and joy and mental health because we don't prioritize or legitimize that. Some people still think that their free time and their downtime is time that can be intruded upon by work. I have a work schedule and all work has to happen within my available work time. I don't allow it to overflow into my private personal time. That's my private personal downtime, right? So we have to, we have to put that in there. We're gonna come back, we'll take a break, we'll keep talking about this. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey, we'll be back. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. 
This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. All right, we're back and we're talking about positive affirmations. We're going to dive in a little bit, but I was expanding it outside and just saying, hey, whatever you're trying to incorporate into your life around mental or emotional health, know that it might take time to get more familiar with it and the practices and to be able to really internalize it. It's foreign to us. We don't normalize in our culture ever (laughs) in any space to the detriment of our best, our better selves. We have to normalize these things. So we're going to talk about, I think these things would be very helpful, but like we said in the earlier segment, not, not everyone does well with them. So Research on these positive affirmations. Because again, we're not trying to think positive about things that aren't. It's okay to recognize that something is bad or not feeling great if that's truly what's happening. So it's not not attempting to positively wash that. Uh, Positive affirmations don't work for everyone. For some people, they can be really harmful on their self-esteem actually. Not, you know, there's nothing that works for everyone. Uh, What else? Social comparison's a big reason why. We live in a very socially comparative culture where we use others before us, ahead of us, next to us, near us, as our metric for how well we're doing. It's understandable based on how social we are as creatures. But people that tend to do better mental health-wise are those that set their own goals and standards. Goals and standards based on, well, what's truly, truly relevant to to who they are and what's possible. And I have to do that. It's also part of the harm reduction model. And this is where we bring in a larger discussion, which is, you know, we used to think that the only way to be healthy around drugs and alcohol, those that had a problematic relationship to it, those that we would, others would call an addict, is sobriety. And sobriety was complete abstinence. And that was always the goal. And if you didn't reach that, you weren't, you weren't doing it hard enough or whatever it is. Well, we realize that that's not fair. That's not honest. That's not true. That that can't be everyone's expectation. Not everyone's going to be able to get full abstinence or long-term, abs- long-term abstinence. It just isn't. And if that's going to be the metric for everyone, well, then a lot of people are going to walk around feeling like a failure. And, and where did we get the idea that that was acceptable or doable for everyone? Everyone has different needs. I'm going to try to keep reminding everyone that. Every student, every employee, it doesn't matter what you want or hope or whatever it is. It doesn't matter what someone else has done or is able to do. Everyone needs something different based on their genetics, based on their biology, based on their neurology, based on the traumas they've been through, based on the household that they show up to school from, based on the relationship they go to work from. One employee may be coming from an abusive relationship. Another isn't. Everyone needs equity, which means what do they need? We can't have the same rules for everyone. That's a problem with rules. They assume everyone can have the same expectation upon them. That is not true. I'm so thankful to hear and read these social media threads of college professors saying to people, if someone needs a, you know, an extension, I give it to them because not everyone can meet the same 
you know, deadlines? What if someone lost someone? What if someone doesn't have childcare? What if someone's trying to parent from home and work from home? What if someone doesn't have access to internet? We can't say, oh, well, they were able to get their papers in on time. That is not mental health centered. That's also not caring and compassionate. We can't think about equality where everyone gets the same. People have different needs. I don't know how else to really create empathy around that. You can't say, well, that's the rule or that's how everyone else does it. Everyone needs something different based on who they are, what's going on in their lives, their trauma, their neurology, their biology, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So when we compare ourselves to others, first off, that might not ever be achievable for you. And so it's like when someone says they'll put a picture up and say, that's my goal body. I mean, there's a lot wrong with that concept, but let's just look at the fact that you can't have the same body as other people. You have different genetics. You have different access to food. You have different resources. You have different finances. Not everyone can get a gym membership. Not everyone lives near a gym. Not everyone lives near stores that have fruits and vegetables, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So when we compare ourselves, it's not honest. It's not kind to you. It's also not kind to the person because they might have more free time. They might have better genetics. They might have better access to supplements and resources. So you can never say, oh, well, if they can get it, I can. That is not true and never will be. It's not true in sobriety. It's not true in bodybuilding. It's not true in school with getting papers done in time. It's not true with expectations on employees. And I have to keep reminding us that to bring in what we're calling a mental health perspective. So social comparison is focusing also on just one element. Yes, maybe that person has the career of your dreams, but when you pan out, they might be in a miserable marriage with children who reasonably hate them. So you don't really want their life. Social comparison is rooted in shrinking someone down to one attribute. We want their height, we want their finances, we want their career, we want their marriage. Well, number one, you don't even know the truth about it. Number two, you don't know what else might be wrong in their life. And number three, that might not be reasonable for you. Sorry, not everyone's gonna get married and fall in love. Not everyone's gonna have their dream career. In fact, most people will not have a career they want. Most people will be in a job they don't want because we have to have a job, unfortunately, because we have to have bills, because our government does not take care of us and help us get our needs met. And most people will not have the dream, their dreams. Unfortunately, few of us will. And we need to stop comparing. Because when you really look at how someone got to where they are or what's going on in their life as a result of it, it's not often pretty. And I work with some of the most successful people in their respective industries, and some of them are miserable. And you would never know it. But yet some people think that they're the goal, and they don't realize what it took to get there. That hasn't been good for them or anyone around them. That has made them miserable. We make a lot of assumptions. I've had people say that about my career. I'm like, great, do you wanna go into all that debt? Do you wanna go through two doctoral programs? Like, uh, I had to give up a lot to get through what I got through. I had a lot of help that other people don't have. I had parents that were able, able to financially help support me. Not everyone has access to that. And that's why I get really upset when people mock things like online education. I did not do any online education. I didn't have to, but some people do for a lot of reasons. In fact, everyone right now in school has been going through online education. So we're gonna still accept them as legitimate in their degrees. We need to extend that. Not everyone can actually show up in a classroom et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So we're gonna take a little break. We're gonna keep talking about social comparison, but more importantly, through the lens of positive affirmation, surprisingly. So uh, stick around for that. DMs are open as always. If you got a DM for us, drop in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. Questions, topics, things you want us to drop deeper into. And uh, past episodes over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down, look for the show and click on it. You can binge, post, share, re-listen. Um, lots of good stuff back there. That's good stuff. So uh, yeah, stick around. We're going to talk more about this. Um, yeah, 
and then some good DMs. I'm sorry, I lost my thought there for a second. All right, we'll be back. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. Stick around, y'all. All right, we're back and we're talking about positive affirmations, but we're talking first about the reason why they're helpful for some people. And uh, that's rooted in the fact that we live a life where a lot of us do a lot of social comparison, not really looking at what it took to get there and whether or not we'd really want to step into that or go through that, not looking at what it takes to maintain whatever it is. You know, I see people really overvaluing someone else's body shape or size, and a lot of them are engaging in disordered eating for that. They are eating, uh, engaging in disordered uh, toxic elements of gym culture, overtraining to a point of injury, starvation. I mean, not so when we compare, we're not aware of what it took to get there or what it took to keep it, what they had to give up. We're not aware of the rest of their life, which might be miserable. And we're not even aware of whether or not that's actually possible for us. Not everyone can be president. Not everyone can make the NBA no matter how hard they try. Like you can't have ever everything you want if you try hard enough. That's a lie. And that sets a lot of people up for failure and to personalize what isn't personal. We cannot have whatever we want if we try hard enough. That's a lie. If you work hard enough, you don't get what you want. You don't always get the life you want. Sometimes we're up against limits that we have no control over. Our genetics, space and time, current politics, all sorts of things. Social comparison is very toxic. But another part of it is we have to learn how to also accept compliments. That's right. We, we also have to accept how to talk positively about ourselves. Yes, I'm not talking about bragging, but we have to be able to compliment ourselves. We should be able to say to people, I'm really proud of what I did. Can we talk about it? Can I share with you what happened today? I'm feeling really good about it. We have to be able to compliment ourselves, but we also shouldn't have to feel bad when someone compliments us. We should say, thank you. I agree. Or thank you. That's right. Throws people off. We're so comfortable and confident listening to people put themselves down or put other people down that the minute someone's positive, we often call it cocky when it's not. I want people to have a positive perspective on themselves or no perspective at all. Sometimes neutrality is the better way to go. Not everyone has to do body love or body acceptance. For some of them, it's body neutrality. I think that's healthier where they're like, I don't really care. My worth isn't my body. It doesn't matter what I look like. I move my body as much as it needs to. I eat the foods that make sense for me. I'm trying to be a good person on the planet. And however my body looks is how it looks. I had to step into that. I go to the gym because I enjoy it. And whatever that produces with my body is what it produces. I don't weigh myself. I don't check myself. I don't get hung up on that. I've gone neutral. I don't care. My body's, body's a vehicle. That's it. My body's only a vehicle that gets me from here to there. It also helps me connect to myself and understand my emotions. So I try to love it and take care of it. But I don't make my worth tied to what it looks like. Aesthetics are in health. Health exists at every size. I cannot determine someone's health by looking at them. We do not send our doctor for our checkup just a selfie. We have to get our blood work done. We have to check our heart rate. We have to check our blood pressure, our breathing. Those are what determine health, not aesthetics. We have to come back to me on a compliment ourselves and feel good about ourselves, especially wherever it is we are at as we move away from social comparison, which is very toxic. And that ties into positive affirmations. Some of them are things you think you need to believe that you don't. And that's why it's hard to participate in that positive affirmation because you don't buy into it because that isn't possible, because that isn't real, because it isn't true. We have to be able to get back to truth. What is true for you? What is possible for you? Because we're not trying to be toxically positive. Um, so we're not necessarily needing to limit positive affirmations, but we're being more honest. So there's alternatives than, other than just trying to say little stick it notes around the house that say you are loved, you are cared for. That works for some people. And if you can embody that, awesome, go with that. 
but with people that enter it with a very low self-esteem, it doesn't tend to help them. The studies show people with high self-esteem do very well with positive affirmations because they already think that they're good. So they can really connect and buy into a note or a comment they leave themselves or say themselves about being good because they already think they are. They know that they've been told that. But for those that don't know that or don't believe that telling themselves that isn't going to work. It's not going to be powerful enough of a intervention. As we say, these uh, forced repetition of positive statements, only helps those that feel good about themselves already. So what are alternatives? Well, the first thing we were talking about already over and over was limiting social comparison. We talked about that. It's hard to do. We have to stop comparing ourselves. Would you actually want to trade places with this person? Do you actually even understand what it took to get there and to keep it? Also, we talked about accepting compliments, letting ourselves feel good and letting ourselves empathize with how others see us. There's empathy in there. Someone feels a certain way about you, wants to express it to you with a compliment, we empathize with that. We, 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 we try to understand that they see us that way, even if we don't. We have to do that sexually sometimes as well. Sexual empathy. Someone's turned on by us. We're not gonna try to convince them otherwise or take them out of that. Let them, let them have that. Empathize with how they see us, even if we don't see ourselves that yet. Cultivating positive relationships. It's one of the biggest, biggest pieces of this being around people that treat you in the right way so you can actually feel worthy of that. Being around people who talk about you positively so you can start to internalize that and buy into that. Really being thoughtful about the messages those we spend time around give us about ourselves because that is part of our self-esteem. It is relational. It's reflected back to us. So we want to have good mirrors reflecting back good things. A lot of us have come from environments and still are part of environments that are always reflecting on or focusing on the bad. That is not an environment in which we can thrive. All right, we're going to come back, take a little break, and we'll keep talking about this. Um, DMs, got one for us. Bam, dropping the DMs on our Love on IG page, questions, topics. We are channelq.com is where you want to go to listen to past episodes, but we'll be back listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. All right, y'all, we are back, and now it's time to slide into those DMs. Let's see what you guys got for us tonight. Sliding into the DMs. All right, this one says, hey, Dr. Chris. Ah, I like this one. It's about pets. I've had my dog for seven years. It's a long time. Some people, that's the longest relationship. Uh, a few years ago, I was with someone who was very abusive and toxic. Sorry to hear that. Should never have to be the case. Um, they ended up throwing my dog across the room, breaking one of her legs. Oh my God. Yeah, that someone who does things like that needs to go immediately. They're not safe to have around. And I'm sorry that your dog was the easy target. God bless, man. Clearly, she's traumatized and so am I. Yeah, that's gnarly. No one should have to witness that. Um, and that's an example of like, that's violence. Let's just call that out. And I always want to remind people of things like implied violence, which is where they might not harm us directly, but they're throwing things around us, slamming things, breaking things that are important to us. Um, that's implied violence. Now, doing this to a dog is direct violence. Like pets, you know, are lives and, and their care matters. So, you know, it's very problematic. Uh, my God. But now, as I'm dating again, you say, uh, it's really hard to trust people around my dog. And I'm extremely overprotective when I know sometimes I shouldn't be. Is this normal? 
or do I need to find a way to let it go? No, that's not normal. It's an understandable reaction. Uh, work through it, but work through it with safe people. And that will naturally go away. As you move into a new relationship and you have what we call corrective experience where you're with someone who's loving and caring, you'll start to buy in to that being true, to that being possible, and also to that being who you are with. It takes time. Remember, trauma or traumatic events, if that is in fact how that was registered by your body, takes powerful experiences to overcome. It doesn't just happen from meeting someone you know, very quickly and easily. We're gonna need multiple repeated experiences of safety with others if we have been traumatized by others. And the same thing's gonna have to happen for your dog. This new person's not gonna roll in once, pet your dog, and your dog's gonna chill. Understandably, you and your dog are both being protective. But anyone worth anything is gonna be willing to do that work. They'll naturally be so caring that that will be what is. But share that with them so they understand that. Um, but I'm glad that you're aware that maybe sometimes being overprotective, but I don't think that that's gonna be bad or work against you. I, I can't imagine it's so dramatic that it might be to an extent where someone is uncomfortable, but just acknowledge that that is what that is when it's happening. Hey, I'm very protective of my dog, here's what happened and here's why, and your dog might need that. Your dog also might need you to be very thoughtful about who you bring over and around your dog and, and letting your dog take its time to slowly get comfortable with, this, with, with people again, essentially. Right? Because now your dog is registered, other people are violent. And your dog might not be smart enough to know, no, 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 that was just that one person. That's not everyone, you know? So be overprotective. I think that that's an understandable response. Just be thoughtful about it, call it out. But again, when we leave a toxic relationship, it's really important that we find someone healthy next time so as to not reinforce the idea that people aren't safe so that we can start to practice soothing, softening, and settling down with people and not letting our guard go up. It's a process, it takes time, you know? And that's why we have to be very thoughtful about who we date because they impact us. And the next relationship pays the price of the one before because we get habits, protective defense mechanisms, habits are built. And then we have to hope that the new person's healthy enough to help us let go and dismantle those habits. But if they're not safe, then it's reinforced even more. So be very thoughtful. You only wanna be with safe people non-verbally abusive, non-physically abusive, and people that are good to those that we love because they're an extension of us and also because it just shows their general mental health and character. So I don't mind that the bar is gonna be high for the next person. It, it should always have been anyway. But I'm sorry that that happened to you. I'm sorry that it happened to your dog. Whew, some nastiness out there, right? And um, just a reminder, you know, things can be different and can be better, so. But um, we don't often get questions that involve pets. So that one was kind of interesting. Um, pets are important. They're, they're something that's helped a lot of people get through COVID. They're primary relationships for a lot of people. And they provide a lot of the needs getting fulfilled that humans might provide for other people. Not everyone has access to that. You know, So I'm glad that you're valuing your dog and I'm glad that you're gonna protect your dog. And anyone you date or are friends with should also be able to do that. I mean, that is bare minimum, right? All right, so that is our DM. We're gonna take a little break. We're gonna come back, so stick around and join us. And uh, then, of course, we'll be doing a little bit more DMs. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q in Odyssey. We'll be back. All right, we're back and we're talking about positive affirmations, who they work for, who they don't work for, why they work, why they don't work. 
And studies show, kind of shockingly, maybe not, depending on how you see this, that those that have high self-esteem do really well with positive affirmations. Why? Well, they feel good about themselves, so they're going to believe and buy into good thoughts about themselves, right? If you don't feel good about yourself, you're not going to really buy into or believe something that's the opposite of that, although those people maybe most need that. So we're talking about all the different ways to kind of wrap our heads around this work with this, and we were just kind of ending on the fact that... We want to make sure we're in relationships with the kind of people that are reflecting back to us our worth and our value because that's an important part of relational esteem. We don't have self-esteem. It's relational. It's an accumulation of what the world has told us about ourselves and the people around us. We internalize that. We, we, are, we are born waiting to be mirrored and to be taught how to regulate and to feel good about ourselves, how to see other in the world. It's something we internalize. It can be worked against. Uh, what are other things? Because again, positive affirmations for some people, leaving those little notes saying you are good, you are kind, whatever it is that works, that's awesome. Um, also remember this, this is, this is very valuable and really basic and simple, but we, a lot of us miss this. You know, one of the pieces of self-esteem building, which is what affirmations, positive affirmations are essentially seeking to do, is we have to live in a way that's worthy of esteem. If we're living our lives in a way that, we don't feel good about or the world doesn't feel good about, we can't feel good about it. That's a good thing. Your self-esteem doesn't let you off the hook. If you're treating people poorly, you should feel bad and your self-esteem makes you feel bad. So the point is, if you wanna work on building self-esteem, live in a way that's worthy of feeling good about. Ask yourself, am I living in the world in a way that when I look at it and I feel it and I experience it and I think back on it, puts a smile on my face. And if not, if I'm chronically creating issues, causing issues, part of issues, well, it's understandable then that I don't feel good about myself because that's me. We're not let off the hook, I love that. So do things that make you proud of yourself. Do things worthy of praise. And there's a lot of ways to do that. You don't have to start a nonprofit or give away stuff to charity, which you can. Just treat people well, live a good life. I do think though, for some of us, we need to go further and say, can I be part of creating bigger change, more change? What's my legacy here on the planet? What am I a part of? And, and, and be aligned with that. If you're living a life out of your ethics, out of your value system, you cannot have self-esteem. I don't want people to override that or bypass that. Is your life aligned with your ethics? And that goes deeper. Are you living a life worth meaning? Does your life have purpose? So now we're even leaning outside of self-esteem and just talking about general mental health and happiness. We can't live a life of happiness, self-esteem, if our lives aren't rooted in purpose and value, what are you doing with your time all day long, all week long, all month long, all year long? And if your job isn't able to offer that, you need to find that somewhere. You have to live in accordance with your value. You have to feel like you're utilizing yourself in a way of purpose and meaning. So think about that. Another thing we can do is write a gratitude list, but a gratitude list for ourselves. That's not cocky, that's not obnoxious, that's important. We need to be able to congratulate ourselves, just like we need to have people in our lives that celebrate our successes with us. That goes back to what kind of people are in your life. Good friends celebrate your successes. They don't make you feel bad, they don't poke holes in it, they don't try to diminish it, and they don't lead from jealousy. Their first response isn't, I'm jealous. Their first response is, oh my God, congratulations. They reach out to tell you that. And my God, please, whoever you're in a relationship with romantically, your husband, wife, boyfriend, girlfriend, whoever, make sure they are the kind of person that celebrates you and your successes. Do not be with people that can't do that. That is not healthy for you mentally. That will not help your self-worth increase. So be very thoughtful. Be in relationships with people that will celebrate your successes and your worth. But if not, we can 
list. And nonetheless, we should list and think about our own achievements. What have we done that we feel proud of? Identify your strengths, use them, whatever that is. Engage in activities that are tied to that. But you have to remind yourselves that you have been successful before, that you have achieved things before. Look at scenarios where you have been needed or very valuable or helped people. That's, what I, that's one of the things I like about AA. It's not right for everyone. Not everyone wants abstinence. Not every, you know, some people, whatever, we're not gonna get into that. My point being AA, one of the big parts is they say be of service. It takes you outside of yourself. I love that. Sometimes we're too much in our head. We have too much free time with ourselves to look at what's wrong, to feel bad. Stepping outside of ourselves is a way to feel better because of what we're doing, but also takes us away from ourselves. It shows us that others exist, <laughs> that others need us, helps us think of other people, not always ourselves. So for people that are very self-centered or always feeling bad, being of service is a way to pull ourselves out of that, to feel better, to think of other. It should be a part of everyone's life. Some people it's built into their lives, other people it's not, but that's in there. So again, we target it with ourselves by celebrating ourselves, looking at our positive attributes. Then we look at other, what relationships are we in and what are they reflecting back? Are they honoring, celebrating who we are? And then we widen out the world even bigger. You know, how are we impacting that? How are we not? What are we a part of on a larger scale? Our self-esteem doesn't let us off the hook. It only gives us positive feelings when we're doing things worthy of that. And that's a good thing. We shouldn't be walking around feeling good when we're making other people feel bad. So check in on that. What kind of lifestyle are you leading? How are you impacting others? It's very much tied into that. All right, Joel, time for a little breaky break. So if you got a DM for us, question, topic you want covered, slide it into the DMs on our Loveline IG page and uh, past episodes of Loveline over at wearechannelq.com. All right, stick around. We'll be back. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be back. All right, we are back. Uh, talked a little bit about this in the past, but it came back up in a question. So I thought I'd cover it a little bit, spend a little time on this. Chemistry versus compatibility, but more importantly, the question was, how do I stop mistaking chemistry for connection? Love this question, because it holds space for the idea that we do confuse the two. And I've said this before, much to people's detriment, <clears throat> that just because you find someone attractive, and that the chemistry is fire and it's spicy as all get out doesn't mean that you're compatible and that you should build a relationship. Think about what a relationship actually involves. True relationship, actual commitment. What are personalities like when we come together? That's the most important thing to think about. What happens when our personalities come together? What is it like when we're not engaging in flirtation, sexuality, or romance, but we're just sitting at a table talking? What is it like during the week when we're actually living our lives? That matters more. Not what's happening during sex or flirtation. How do you guys get along as people during the week? Problem solving, making plans, dealing with letdowns, dealing with frustrations, temperament. Temperament and personality style, those are what have to match. And all the chemistry in the world, which is about the sexual passion and the fire, isn't enough to build a relationship upon. In fact, if you're high in chemistry, but low in compatibility, you're gonna have nasty, nasty fights and things are gonna be rough. The inverse, if you're very compatible but have zero chemistry, you're going to get along great. It's going to be like having a best friend. That feels good. But there's going to be no passion. Sex is going to be maybe boring. Romance isn't really going to necessarily be there. Ideally, you look for both. It doesn't have to be a trade-off. Look, relationships take work but not a lot of work. I tell people that all the time. If your relationship's taking a lot of work, it's because you're not compatible. I'm not saying give up. I'm just saying you got a long road ahead. Most people should give up, though. It shouldn't be constant turmoil. That is a sign that you are not compatible. Is that because one person has a lot of work and healing to do? Maybe, but it doesn't really matter because you're both impacted. And so if your relationship is constantly in turmoil and it's taking a lot of work, you are not a match. 
Sorry, it doesn't matter how much you want it or how attracted you are. Doesn't mean it works. I have to tell couples that. I can't help every couple make it work and I have to let them know what it's gonna look like. And this is based in behavioral science. We, we have tons of research over decades to let us know what are the qualities that it takes. What does it mean when some of these are lacking? We know that stuff. And we have to, we have to work from that. The highest predictor of long-term satisfaction and health is that the couple have a true relationship of friendship, meaning they enjoy each other, they get along, they have similar interests. That's the compatibility speaking. Now, having a thriving, healthy sex life increases that satisfaction. Here's where the research gets really interesting. Couples that aren't getting along put a higher level of importance on the lack of sexual compatibility. Couples that are getting along tend to downplay it, but that's probably because it doesn't matter as much or doesn't need to. But for couples that aren't getting along, it's, it feels like it matters more. That absence or that loss feels like it has a greater impact. And that's why it really comes back to just the quality of the friendship, which is funny because some people have written entire books based on the premise that we shouldn't be friends with our partners, that we need more distance and space. And that's not true. We need more closeness and connection. And what a lot of couples call in issues with communication, we just have communication problems. No, it isn't. Your core, your core friendship, your core liking each other is missing. Do you like them? Because most of couples' issues are not around communication, actually. They're communicating perfectly. They're letting each other know we're not getting along and I don't like you. The problem is you don't like each other. The work is about getting back to just liking each other at its core, that friendship piece. That is not about chemistry. Chemistry is important. Trust me when I tell you I'm not downplaying it. But the compatibility parts are what really lead to long-term satisfaction and mental health for all people involved. So that's why you have to assess that. It doesn't matter if you can keep your hands off each other or not or how hot you think they are. What is it like when you're shopping together? What is it like when you're hiking? What is it like when you're going to dinner and sitting at dinner? What is it like when you're trying to make plans to meet for dinner? Those are the things that should matter more. And in the beginning, it doesn't matter as much. and It's not supposed to. That lust, that attraction, that's what's supposed to pull us in and keep us together to be together long enough to explore these other pieces that then become more important. You cannot build a, a, a long-term committed relationship just off of passion and chemistry. It doesn't work. And it's hard for us to really acknowledge how, how much work did it take to get on these future dates? If you guys can't even figure out who's going where, where you're eating and get through a meal, you have bigger problems because that's when all that shows up. So how do I stop mistaking chemistry for true connection? I kind of just told you. It's the day-to-day minutia. What is it like when you're trying to make plans, see each other? And what is it like when you're together during those plans? What is it like in all the times and moments where chemistry isn't accessible or in play? Outside the bedroom or the flirtation and handling all that, what are the other times like? What is it like to just sit at the table with them? I mean, that's an important part of early dating, going on a first date. What is it like sitting with them? Do you want to sit with them again? Because when the, when the chemistry quiets down a little bit and it's really just person with person, what does that feel like? Mm, scary stuff. And some people are thinking about the person they've been with for a while, realizing I don't like them. Well, that's when it's time to do some work on the relationship or maybe leave. But the work on the relationship should be trying to start planning dates again, starting to reconnect around shared activities that you enjoy, trying to go out into the world together. Just making time to be together, trying to you know reconnect around the things that brought you together to originally in the first place. Circling back to that, I always say that to couples. What did you connect around in the first place? What brought you together? How can we get back to that? But do you even make time for each other? 
Because that's part of the problem too. Sometimes the relationship is given no prioritization, no time is is made for it, and then we wonder why it doesn't feel good. Whatever's made, whatever is number two or number three in our life is going to feel like number two or number three in our life. And that's why we say the relationship has to come before the baby, the relationship has to come before your job, the relationship has to come before friends. It doesn't just run on autopilot. But once we're living together, committed, monogamous, we tend to just backseat it. And we put all these things before it. And whatever we put before it doesn't thrive as well, but especially the relationship doesn't. And yes, there's entire books written on making sure the marriage comes before the baby. That doesn't mean we're neglecting the baby. Read the research. That's absolutely not what we're saying. But we're saying the relational health matters. It matters most. Children raised in unhealthy environments with couples that are always fighting, those parents are not showing up in the way they need to to their, to their child as a result of the marital difficulty. So please don't stay in a miserable marriage for your child. Your child is, is, is better served by being in families around people that are present and available. We've got to take a little break. We'll come back, keep talking. Listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be back. All right, y'all, we are back. And uh, next, we're going to be sliding into the DM. So uh, you know the drill. If you got a DM for us, question you want answered, topic you want covered, something you want us to circle back to, drop it in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. And past episodes are always over at wearechannelq.com. We were just talking a little bit about chemistry versus compatibility, how it throws people off, how compatibility is more important. But we need all things. Look, we want multiple layers of connection so that if one is missing right now or for the year, whatever it is, we got the other things to rely upon. It's kind of like a chair. It needs all those legs to stand up. If you take one of those legs, thank God there's three still. It, it, it can do okay on three, but you take away a third, that third, or you pull away a second, I'm sorry, and you're leaving two, it's not as stable, right? We wanna have as many layers of support as possible and compatibility. Oof, that's why we gotta move slow. It's got, we gotta take our time. What is it like to really spend time with these people? So interesting. I, I remember early on in dating when I was single, oh, feeling that fire, feeling that attraction. And again, we're glad that's there. It gets us together, keeps us together. And then going on actual dates and seeing what is it like to experience the world and life with this person. And I shared this a long time ago on the show, but I remember going on a date to a gallery. I was really excited to see this artist. I want to be with someone who's present in the world and can celebrate things with me, even if they're not that interested. Just be there with me. And my date was looking at their phone the whole time. Just texting people, swiping, and I thought this will never work. They're not even with me, not to mention they're not even here in the moment with all this amazing art, connecting with it with me, but they were stuck in their phone. They weren't valuing what I was valuing. If you don't like art, that's cool, but be here with me for me, you know? And it's those moments that tell us most. I mean, we don't even need to get into a conversation about how phones get in the way. Phones should not be brought on dates. They should be left in the car, kept in your pocket, no date should be told to wait a minute because you have to check an email. Give me a break. If you can't even be unavailable for an hour, you're not ready for a relationship. Very few people live lives where they need to be accessible every 15 minutes on the 15 minute. Most of us can go a few hours without being accessible. We need to make, we need to stop normalizing immediate access to people. I, I try to make myself as unaccessible as possible because I don't want to participate in people thinking because they can text me, call me or send me an email that I'm immediately available. I have boundaries. There's work time. There's downtime. My downtime is my time. I don't want to hear from friends or family. That is for me. I'm sitting quietly with my headphones on, listening to my music or whatever I'm doing. But if we can't even do that on a date, what are you communicating to the date? That, that even as I'm getting to know you, even as I'm with you, the few times I'm with you, because we spend most of our times in our lives and then we plan dates to be there, I'd rather be connected to something else. Oof, 
no good. That's why I like people that go out and they kind of stack their phones or leave them in their car. But the bigger point is we learn about people based on our experience with them. Don't get so hung up on what they look like. Attraction's important, but that it can't be everything. And we can't let that take the spotlight off of recognizing, wow, we're just really not compatible and that's a bummer, you know? Try to find moments of compatibility. We talk about that all the time, how in dating apps, we can only present a few things and people over rely upon making decisions based on the few blurbs and keywords they put out there to the detriment. We should meet up with people when in doubt and really find out. We don't know what outdoorsy means and we don't know that. And here's the thing, we might write someone off because they're not outdoorsy, but then we miss out on finding out that there's 12 other things that we actually love. No one mentioned the books that we all both love. We forgot to talk about how we love the same restaurants. Like all these things can go unaddressed or unacknowledged because we get hung up on a few key words. You know, part of dating is having a wide net and when in doubt, finding out, giving people a shot. Even if the profile seems not compatible, we go out and we find out. That's where attraction is important. They're attractive enough to us where we're willing to give them a chance to find out more because we can't squeeze in everything we could possibly have in common in that little bio section. All we can put in there is what we call searchable good. Things, searchable goods, which are the kind of identify, I can't even speak today, the kind of identifying factors that matter when we're shopping because things are that one dimensional doesn't exist the same in a person. We don't know how each person will differently embody these attributes. We put too much pressure on them. We really do. We put way too much pressure on form, thinking they have to be a certain height or a certain weight. Dear God in heaven, look at the photo. If you find them attractive, good enough. Their height and weight and all that really shouldn't matter. There's more flexibility to that. We need to afford that. We need to step into that. We'll talk about that on another show. But Give people a chance to really see what it looks like in the real world and really put a lot of power into what does it feel like to be with them? Not what does it feel like to look at them or to have sex with them, those things matter, but what does it feel like to move through the world with them? What was the work like planning the date, seeing them, spending time with them? All those things matter more. So put some more pressure into that because that's what the relationship really winds up, you know, truly being built on is uh, our time together. Anywho, sit with that though. You know, what kind of metric are you using? Do you need to change it? Most of us do. Um, we'll talk more about that though. I think, uh, learning the better, you know, the skills that enhance our in the real world, but also online dating habits are important because more, more dating than not is happening online these days. And, uh, there's a lot of things to, uh, consider that'll help improve our chances. Hang in there though. Let me just end on that note. It's a numbers game. It takes time. It's not immediate. And there shouldn't be droves of people that we're compatible with. It takes time. So hang in there. All right, y'all, as promised, coming up next, we're going to be sliding into those DMs. So uh, drop us a question if you got one. Otherwise, stick around and just listen and learn something, you know? We'll be back. You are listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be back. Stick around. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. 
Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. All right, we are back now. It's time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. DMs always come from our Loveline NG page. Any questions you got, topics you want us to cover, topics you want us to drop deeper into, drop them in there. And uh, past episodes over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down, look for the show, click on it. Uh, but I love your questions. They're always so vulnerable, truly. And, you know, in bringing your vulnerability forward, other people learn and are helped and sometimes have the same question but don't feel comfortable reaching out. So just know that bringing your questions forward is really part of helping a lot of other people as well. So I always appreciate the vulnerability and the honesty. Uh, this one says, hey, Dr. Chris, I'm single and I have been for a few months now. I'm talking to people, nothing serious. But with the people that I am talking to, I've been noticing that I get attached pretty quickly. Find myself wondering why aren't they texting me back or why I'm thinking about them. How can I almost detach myself and just ride the waves? Uh, You can't. This is how your attachment system works. That's how all of our attachment systems work. We are built to seek primary relationships. As a child, it's a parent or caregiver. And throughout the duration of our lives, even to adulthood, we need primary caregivers. And we usually make them our romantic sex partner. But we all need primary attachments. That is a healthy thing. It is healthy that you are seeking to attach and connect to someone. It's a beautiful thing. We don't want to detach from that. We don't want to make that more casual. But I do appreciate that sometimes, as you said, it's a little too quick. And you're wondering why they aren't texting back you might be expecting too much too soon. Some people have more of an anxious attachment style and they're always looking at everything through the lens of, am I being abandoned or not? Do they like me or not? So another word we can use is people pleasing. And so just try to be a little more secure. Try to not expect so much so soon. Try to maybe operate at the other person's level. Meet them where they're at. But don't see everything through, do they like me or not? Don't see everything through, do they abandon me or not? Other people have lives in motion and not everything is about the lens of, do I like this other person? Sometimes they're in a healthy, appropriate way, focusing on their health because health is bad or something happened in their family and that's their priority and this new person that they've texted twice can't and shouldn't be. And they're hoping that you're confident enough to just chill for a bit and they'll circle back when they can. But the minute we like someone, we panic. And our anxiety spikes. Where are they? What's going on? Ooh, we have to calm. 
people are living their lives. Not everything they do, their presence or absence is a reflection of how they feel about you. And if you're one of those people where that's immediately what you make it about, why haven't I heard from them? It's been a day or whatever it is. You have to work on calming down and soothing better because people might be appropriately prioritizing other things. They've hung out with you once or it's only been a couple of weeks. You shouldn't be a priority, their job, their friends, their family, their health. So we have to chill a little bit. So if you realize you're attaching too soon, say it's okay that I attach, but I can't have the expectations that I have upon people, you know? I have to just breathe a little bit. I have to settle down, but I should also be talking to other people. Dating is about multitudes. Dating is talking to multiple people to get to know all of them, to see if I'm compatible, right? And have chemistry with anyone to then try to build a full relationship with them. So when you're talking to other people, we're not as dependent upon that one person and we don't panic as much about that one person. So be dating and talking to multiple people. That's what dating is. We haven't committed to anyone yet. We're not in a relationship yet. We're dating. It's casual. It's fluid. We still want care. We still want respect, but we need to ease up a little bit. So there's going to be a key words, ease up a little bit, a little bit, allow a little bit of space, talk to others, but we can still make our needs known because we're still assessing compatibility. And if you like a lot of closeness and they like a lot of distance, please do not try to be in a relationship with them. That's an avoidant with an anxious and it doesn't ever work. You want to find someone who's present and honest and accessible and available and they tell you what's going on. Hey, busy week coming up. I'll see you this weekend. Hey, sorry I didn't get back to you yesterday. Here's what's going on. They're, they're going to let you know what's going on. They're going to let you know what's happening. They don't disappear. But your work is to not anxiously assume that everything is abandonment and that everything means they don't like you. Be, be very thoughtful about calling that out because that's what some people slip into. They panic way too soon. And this other person is interested. They just don't anxiously feel the need to stay connected at every moment. And you want to maybe be more like them because they're healthier in that way. So don't panic. All right, y'all. That is our DMs. If you've got a question for us, drop in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. Past episodes over at wearechannelq.com. That is our show. As always, thanks for hanging out. You all enjoy the rest of your night. Be kind to yourselves and to other people. Tons of joy and self-care. And I'll see you all soon. Have a great night. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates – Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. 
Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.